Sam, you're here. You know, I'm always surprised when I come to Holy Family and, and you're still here. It's, it's exciting. Wait, are you still here? <laughs> oh, so many people think I was a cardboard cutout. Oh, you could have been. Yeah. Um, hey, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm always surprised when I'm here too. I don't want to be here, but I am. Come on, let's face it. You have some of the best times in your life here. At Thursday Night Appetizer? No, I do not. I met a Holy Family. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean but I didn't mean that. I meant um, at Thursday Night Appetizer. For those who don't know what you're watching, this is Thursday Night Appetizer. His name is Sam. Everybody knows what we're watching. No, not everybody. There are like seven people watching. Possibly. I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> hey, where's the syrup? Are you going home? I don't even... You know what the funny thing is? I made... Like, I collected all the sap and everything. Yeah. And put, boiled it and stuff. And my, but my dad finished it. Yep. And I don't know where the syrup is. He's oh. got it, and it's I'm probably at his house. I don't know. Your dad? I don't actually have any of it. You and your dad and I are going to be at a meeting later this evening, aren't we? Maybe I could get him to bring us a leader. It's up to you. It's your offer. Yeah. Hmm. If not, I'll get a liter of syrup that I have not. Oh, you're actually sending your dad a message now? Yep. It's good to keep promises. Hey, speaking of promises, you know what Jesus nice promised? Nice segue. Thank you. You know what Jesus promised? The Holy Spirit. Thank you. Keeping you from your phone. <laughs> um, yeah, he did. In Acts chapter 1, he promised the Holy Spirit. Some people refer to the, uh, this coming Sunday as the birthday of the church. And I was thinking about the scene, which might be familiar to at least some of the people watching or listening. Uh, it's depicted, uh, what, what we read about in Acts chapter 2 is that there are these flames that appear above the people. And I was thinking they would look like birthday candles on a cake. Have you ever seen those paintings of, of uh, Pentecost? Anyway, okay. 50 days after Jesus returns to heaven, um, one of the most intense days, I think, in history, but in the, certainly in the history of the church, took place the day of Pentecost. And I'll do the backgrounder now. Good. This is coming Sunday, being Pentecost. Because the next thing I'm doing after this is eating, so. Eating? Yeah. Or seating? Eating. You said is seating or is, is eating. eating. Okay. Enjoy. So I'm going to be hangry this whole time. 120 people, led by the 12 apostles, including Peter, a new member of the 12 named Matthias, who had replaced Judas, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were in this room. And what they were doing, all of them were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. That's from Acts chapter 1. Hey, you know what? It would be really funny to do a parody of like the job interview for Matthias. Okay, okay, you be like, you be like Peter, I'll be Matthias. Hi, I'm here for the job interview. We already got somebody. Joseph Barsabbas. They said Matthias was the replacement. Yeah, they had two. Actually, they had two candidates. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. Do you remember Acts chapter 1? They've got two candidates. But, but you just said Matthias was the replacement of Judas. <laughs> trying to mess with you. Oh, okay. So there really were two candidates. Okay. There were two men set, brought forward well, by the community. Say, oh, hello. Then they we, prayed. Just so you know, we have another candidate in the I was just going to do that. We already have somebody. Joseph. N not that you couldn't apply, Matthias. I'm confused. I'm did trying Matthias to end up easy. becoming an apostle or not? He did. They, they drew lots. They prayed and drew lots and asked oh, the Holy Spirit okay. to guide them. Okay. All right. That's how Matthias ended up being the 12th apostle. Okay. I've, I was going to go on with like the, um, you know. Um, what are your qualifications? So, yeah. Well, I'm not uh, a murderous psychopath. Well, then I'm not sure you qualify. Think about <laughs> Paul. We're going to get Paul on board in a, in a few months. I've never betrayed the Son of God. Okay, fair enough. 30 pieces of silver. That's good. That does qualify you. Yeah. They actually had qualifications in mind. Somebody who had witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus right. was actually right. the main okay. criterion um, who knew him, basically. 
yeah. so they chose Matthias with under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And they were praying. That's kind of important, actually, incredibly important. They're praying for 10 days or so, it seems, between the time Jesus returned to heaven, known as the Ascension, and the, the time the Holy Spirit's given Pentecost. So they're united, they're receptive, they're waiting for Jesus to fulfill his promise, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's from Acts chapter 1. And Jesus goes on to say that he's made this promise so that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is a long way. And I think those instructions would have confused them um, because they had no idea why they would be going. They really wouldn't have known as Jews why, they'd be, why they would be going beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea. First of all, Samaria, they hated enemies, and then to they, other people. They were assuming they would be sent to Jerusalem? Correct. Okay. That's what the, we talked about this, I think, last week. Um, that's what they thought the kingdom would be for. So they're gathered in this room, and there's a, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, a very loud sound. I've met people who've heard tornadoes coming. You might have heard a tornado coming. People compare it to a I've freight train. close to a tornado. Right. It's uh, going by. So people compare the sound to a freight train. Yes, I agree with that. Talk a sucking sound. Hmm. Scary. Sucking like, like, freight train. Like, more like being at like the bottom of a vacuum cleaner. Wow. So that sound was the closest thing I can think of that might be compared to this mighty rushing wind along with the tongues of flame. But the, the sound, I think, would have gathered people. There were thousands of people gathered around the room. And then also these 120 people go out of the room. I wonder if they're like dancing, they're, they're running, they're, they're just talking about the mighty deeds of God. That's what, that's what Luke chapter 2 says. So this huge crowd of people gathers, there's 120 people go out, they're talking to them, presumably about the death and resurrection of Jesus, which are the, the core mighty works of God, right? And I think it sounds crazy, which is no wonder why um, there's some funny stuff that goes on, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the main thing I want to say is, in a sense, the disciples are on fire with the Holy Spirit, who's filling them and sending them out into the world. Um, and it, I was thinking about the transformation. So before the Holy Spirit came, they were locked into a room, uncertain, perhaps even afraid, and after they receive the Holy Spirit, they're changed, they're filled with, filled with joy and boldness. In a sense, nothing can hold them back. Um, so what follows, what Peter extends to the thousands of people around, is that a freight train or a giant vacuum cleaner that I just heard? No. Um, is an invitation to transformation to everyone who's there, the crowds of people. And that very day, later on in Acts chapter 2, we'll read, 3,000 people repent and receive baptism receiving the Holy Spirit and joining the church. Amazingly, I think it's amazing, the same Holy Spirit comes to us today, filling us with joy when we let him, leading us into mission and drawing even more people into this brand new life of Christ. So that's the day of Pentecost, sometimes called the birthday of the church. Uh, arguably, after the resurrection of Jesus, the pivotal moment in human history, because the resurrection was an event that only affected a few people, this event, Pentecost, was the the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit going out to the whole world. And that's our backgrounder for this week, Sam. Wow. Okay. Okay. Time to read from the book of Acts, chapter 2. Mm -hmm. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Praise and thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for calling each of us to follow you, to love you, and to serve you, to be your disciples, to be your apostles. Thank you, Lord, for the example of these... Um, men and women who trusted you in prayer, even though they were afraid, and they were finally blessed with the gift that was given to the whole church, the gift of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you'd fill us with that same Holy Spirit, that it would come upon us, that you would fill us, 
and that you would allow us to to receive you as we read this this uh, passage of scripture and as we discuss with each other. Please come and be present with us and all those who are watching or listening. Come, Holy Spirit. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a no noise like a driving, strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and in amazement, and, at, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his native language? We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia. Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his native language? We are Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. Go for it, Sam. Go for it. Thank you about becoming an umpire. You'd be good. I would be good. That's not relevant at the moment, or um, unless it is. I just. Oh, right. You're out. You're out. I don't know how they do it. What are you doing? Turning on the light. Well, there's already a light. Those lights. Okay. Fine. That didn't help at all. There's already a ton of light in here. Anyway, um, okay. Well, I was just focusing on the word language. Hmm. Each one of them heard them speaking in his own language and also at the bottom, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just thinking about this event and the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of anyone, even in today's time, I was thinking about what that's for, right? Like, yeah. So you receive the Holy Spirit, it doesn't suddenly give you the power to like predict the outcome of the World Series. Speaking of baseball. Or um, to be really good at economics. I mean, it might, but like the, the, the reason we're given the Holy Spirit 
mm -hmm. is to proclaim the mighty acts of God, to proclaim the gospel, which is right. what they were. This is what were they saying when they were speaking these tongues and the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. They were saying the gospel to all these people. And to clarify they weren't for saying, this, yeah. hello everyone, there's a nice hotel down the street and the food at Tommy's is great. You know, like <laughs> They also weren't talking about, I feel wonderful because I'm filled with the Holy yeah, Spirit. Look, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit too. They, they weren't even saying that. They were right. saying, um, well, the, the um, Peter's discourse is in one of the other. It just follows right, right follows after. Right after, right? Yep. Peter gets up and speaks and he basically proclaims the gospel. This Jesus who had been crucified, mm -hmm. he is the son of God. He has risen from the dead. Yep. And now you hear us speaking in all these tongues as a sign that he's... So all I'm saying is the power to speak in these languages was not given to them for any reason other than to proclaim the gospel. And there was another thing I was thinking of because this is something that I relate to personally. Mm -hmm. um, as I'm sure you have, I've been listening to something or someone speaking, proclaiming the gospel and felt like it was being spoken in my language. Right. Okay. Not that they were not not that they were speaking in a different language, like literally, mm -hmm. but sometimes you can hear someone speaking to you and it's not making it's not connecting with you. Sure. On a like a personal level. Yep. Um, today I was for different reasons I was listening to um, a compilation of music from Teen Mission or Teen Mania. Teen Mania put on Acquire the Fire. Oh, okay. Acquire the Fire was a series of youth conferences that ran from about. I want to say about 95 to 2015. And you went to most of them. So over a 20-year period, we went to um, almost all of them. Mm -hmm. I want to say like maybe 16 or 17. Right. Okay. So we went to like 16 or 17 of them. Um, but the first one we went to is the one I was thinking of because it was in 1997. And this this CD I was listening to on online mm -hmm. was the music that they played at the 1997. Right acquire the fire so and it's it's like exactly the way i remember it like uh the guy the guy who founded teen mania ron loose he was like the lead singer and the guitarist sort of like me it's kind of like the sam show when you're here for like unify or something you know like sure luckily now i have an mc and people that speak that preach and stuff like deacon charles but um like at youth group it's like the sam show i do the music and i do the talks yeah anyway that's what it was like with ron he did like it was he his led, thing. He led the worship, he led the prayer, he got up and preached, he yeah. led the altar call, all this stuff. It was basically the Ron Luce show. So anyway, my point is, I remember being at that that first choir of the fire um, in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. They were at Cops Coliseum and it was like an amazingly large event. Like you don't see anything like that anymore because there were a lot of Christian youth back then and now there's not. Um, So-called Christian youth, whatever. We can talk about that. <laughs> but but you were there. Is, I remember being on the floor, yep. like, you know, 30 feet from the stage. And I remember Ron Luce speaking. And what he was saying to me was being spoken in my own language. Like, I just remember it, like, yeah. hitting me. Now, I had already had a conversion that summer at Teen, Teen Missions. So it's not like I hadn't heard the gospel. not like I hadn't given my life. I'd given my life to Jesus. And I told him I wanted to serve him. And that's one of the reasons we were there, because we took a busload of youth there as a way to evangelize, okay? But the message connected with me and it, it felt like, I, I felt like that. Um, I heard him speaking in my own language, it like connected with me on a personal level. It was my language he was speaking. Even though we were speaking the same language, what he was saying really connected with me internally. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. There, that's my sharing, I'm done.
Um, I guess I leave now. I could kind of use a snack, but. <laughs> you did no say snacks. yours. There are no snacks? I have food, but I didn't bring any in. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Small piece of sausage, piece of snack. bread, an apple. I'm out, of, I'm out of water, too. This is desperate. Okay. Um, just last night, a friend of mine was saying to me, you know that, Sam? He really knows how to speak the language of the youth. I'm serious. Someone said this to me last night back in Dundalk. Um, Mrs. Gorman Jr. What? She said that. She doesn't even know me. I sort of said that. Well, I was nice to her. You said it? Oh, you said that you don't even know him? No, I and said... you're completely off I base. Said, <laughs> no, I said, well, you know, he's getting old. <laughs> yeah. But it's not actually about he's age, although age is part of it. Age is, age is a factor. It's a factor. Uh, age changes it, let's put it that way. I've heard young people, even sometimes, sometimes, not often, children, definitely uh, teenagers, old people, middle-aged people, and at times when they've spoken to me about God, it's really hit me. So I can, like, I think what you're saying... Like Noel. Yes. Noel was just baptized and received into the church this last Easter at the age of, I don't know, nine? She's like eight. Eight. Her sister's ten. She's eight. Yeah. Um, we had these... She really shook us up, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. The way, the straightforward and very sincere way in which she spoke about her, her faith in Jesus was definitely, like, got me, got my yeah, attention. I was taken aback. Right. Yeah. Um, it was shocking, in fact. And after that session, we did a few sessions with her and her, um, her family. Uh, I remember saying after, to her after that session, you know, when you get older, perhaps you could teach this course. I actually kind of mean that. I didn't say to be condescending. It might have sounded that way, but I don't think she took it that way. She, she said, okay. Um, so I think some people have a gift and other people are like the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm that you need to hear it. Uh, but I would like to ask you something because this is, there's a problem with how we experience the Holy Spirit. You said, a phrase you used was so-called Christian youth, <laughs> which is people can have very powerful experiences that are powerful in the sense of emotional and, and even transformative, but it may not be like, it may not actually like solidify. So one of the concerns that I have heard people express about in general Christians who focus a lot on the Holy Spirit and his and the experience of the Holy Spirit is, well, that's really subjective. That's not real. What do you think? Um, I, I don't. I wouldn't agree with the statement. It's not real. Okay. But I would say the danger is um, disconnecting it from works or from action, mm-hmm. from a life lived entirely in in the Holy Spirit. Like it, it can become just like a. Um, it's oh, an example. Just like something, something you do like regularly, even, but then you go back to your normal life, right? Right, and then you're just a hypocrite. So I don't. It's not that the Holy Spirit isn't real or that the experience isn't real. It's that you have you have to make the decision that it's going to penetrate into your your life and consume you, like it did for the apostles, mm-hmm. right? And it's pretty clear for me for you to change how you act, right? It has to result in a transformation of your whole life isn't that something sure can you say something about that in the background the backgrounder probably the transformation Did i say transformation oh an invitation to transformation yeah. for all who listen right 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 like yeah it's not enough just to have the, the emotional experience well the word that came to my mind was um discipleship in the sense that jesus uses it it comes up many times of course in the bible and the new testament but jesus at the end of matthew 28 
uh, in Matthew's gospel says, tells them to go and make disciples of all nations. And um, years ago, I, I read a book where the guy compared, uh, the author was a Christian, compared making a disciple to making bricks, which is like uh, laying brick, not just making bricks, actually laying brick. Making brick, a brick wall? Yeah, making okay. brick wall, laying brick. It's like, we know a few bricklayers, but the point of the point is, because this guy grew up as a bricklayer before he became a, a theologian, was um, it takes practice, it takes discipline, it takes repetition, um, and you need people who are good at it in order to become a, a good bricklayer or a good Christian disciple yourself. And what's what's remarkable about this event is it's the very beginning. So they're just learning. And it's what, I was, what strikes me is you read the rest of the book of Acts, it goes to, it's 28 chapters long. There are a lot of ups and downs, and some of them are external, but more importantly, you see the internal uh, issues within individuals, like Peter. Peter has a lot of struggles, um, but also the conflict within the community, right? So it's not, it is all at once. Everything changes all at once, but it takes time to work out. That's maybe that, that would relate to what we're talking about. And, and you have to keep, I would say, keep saying yes every day to doing the, the kind of ordinary things in order to, it, it's almost like it is developing, uh, like a, developing a skill in a way, like being a disciple. There are, there are practices that go with, like with being a disciple. But I think what I like about what you said is very often I've met people who talk about discipleship but who miss the point, use the word gospel a lot, which I figure some people, but not every who's watching and listening would know. You actually said what it meant. Really, they speak. And I, I thought that was the most striking thing as well. Actually, my, my mind was uh, the two places where it says, they began to speak in different tongues. That's early on. Later on, speaking in our own tongues, the people say they heard them speaking in our own tongues. The Holy Spirit actually is given to them so that they would speak and they would specifically talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus, which by itself, um, we're doing a little Bible study in Dundalk um, on Tuesday nights. So this was last night from the time of recording, sorry, um, Tuesday night of this week. How do you, what can we do to help people believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead is not an easy question to answer. It's, it's, it's a rational thing to believe because there's evidence. It's the evidence is in the Bible, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John from eyewitnesses that were there, like, the, like those 120 people. Um, but it still takes faith. Uh, and so you, what I'm trying to say is as a Christian, you might feel like, well, why, why would I tell anyone about the death and resurrection of Jesus? Because it seems like, it just seems hard to believe for some people. It's like, what do you mean he died and rose from the dead? I believe he died. Most people believe he died. But how do you, um, what can help, what helps people come to believe that he not only died, but also rose from the dead that does say that he is, in fact, the son of God and his death and resurrection are going to change their lives too. But you've seen this happen many times, right? I have too. So I was reflecting upon what helps people to actually believe what the message is, the message that these people were talking about on that first day. Um, I think one thing people look for is, is this message changing your life? If, if I'm talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus, like you said, is it consistent with the way I live? Like, am I living in a way that it's true, that it's evident that I believe it to be true? Because if that's not the case. Authenticity. Right. Right. For instance, if you believe the death and resurrection of Jesus, then your attachment to worldly power and wealth would be like, not that great because you don't you know that they don't really matter that much. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. That's one example. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about like language, if you broaden sort of the meaning of speaking a little bit, mm -hmm. right? I don't want to go I don't want to go wishy-washy into like um, you know, just just 
basically just your actions. You speak with just your actions. No, I wouldn't say that. But it's like you said, your example or your presence um, and the evidence in your own life is as compelling, maybe even more compelling as the words you say. Well, it validates right? the words. It validates the words, you know? Yeah. Um, like I was thinking like, Sometimes the language of the gospel or speaking someone's language is giving them a meal, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or like I shelter or a ride or food or something, you know? It's like an act of love mm -hmm. done in the name of Christ that in some way the Holy Spirit enables you to do with love, mm -hmm. right? It's difficult to love and the Holy Spirit gives us the grace we need. Um, sometimes that is the language that the person hears, right? Sometimes that's speaking their language. I think that's really important. Another I, thing is... Go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Um, another thing that speaks people's language is a willingness to just sort of get off your high horse. Yeah. Humility. And, and just to be, able to, to be able to sit with somebody that, you, you, you know, step outside of your comfort zone and, right? And just be with people. That was, right. that, if I could build on that, that was what I was going to say is that I think people notice, I notice when someone just pays attention to me because mm -hmm. they care about me. They don't actually, they're not trying to get me to do something, not to, I'm not, like, not to try to get them to believe what I believe or do what I do or join the church or become a follower of Jesus just because you can tell when someone just cares about you as a person and notices you and pays attention to you as a person so that even when you're doing things for them, you're not just like, here's some food or here's some money or <laughs> here's a ride. It's, it's like, you actually care about them as a person. Are we okay? Yep. Okay. So For some reason, I'm sitting on this side. I've never sat I on this side. I said to make an adjustment. Okay. The one microphone always starts out a little quieter, so I just turned it up. Sure. I don't know why. Every time you turn it on, it goes to three, and yours goes. To, that one goes to four. Oh. So I don't know. Um, so we were a little imbalanced, but that's all right. I like what you said a lot about speaking in people's language. I think one of the things that I believe the Holy Spirit can do for us is to... I don't think it matters where we start because we all start in different spots when we're trying to follow Jesus. If you're trying to follow Jesus and trying to do what the Holy Spirit's leading you to, because he can, he can take where you, you wherever you start. But I think what he does is, I think he, I think the Holy Spirit gives us a, capa a capacity for something like empathy, like putting ourselves in other people's shoes, because that's the way in which you can speak their language. Mm -hmm. If you know what they care about, you know something about their story, and you, you're drawn to that. You're, you actually care about them and through, I want to know your story. I know that's something I feel I feel drawn to. I don't think it's just for me. I think it's Holy Spirit. It's like, I actually care a lot about people's stories. Yeah. Yeah, I almost think tell us your story should be like the church's motto. Right. <laughs> like or something like that. It's, it's so important to first listen mm -hmm. and we just, we forget. Oh, we got this great message, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've got the, we've got the message where we've got the truth yep. and we forget that it's like, it's actually starts with not sharing the message. Mm -hmm. It starts with hearing and yeah. listening. Um, I was thinking about Gary Chapman's love languages. Remember the yes. five, um, yep. those have been helpful to me over the years in my work and my personal life, just to understand that different people feel, feel loved. loved. They feel loved in different ways. Yes. Uh, with different expressions of love, make mm -hmm. people feel loved and others don't. Like there's people that are, that do not feel loved with physical touch. Correct. And there's people that, that is incredibly healing for them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that is a sign of love that they really appreciate. Yeah. And it can, you know, undo tons of hurt and stuff just by appropriately 
giving them physical touch mm-hmm. or giving them a gift, a small gift. Yeah. Or spending time, extended time is what I was thinking of, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was just thinking being attentive to different people's needs and uh, and trying to love them in a way that, that is, that's their language, right? Language is, you really, we talk about language a fair bit because, um, you know, the, the church really falls down on language. Sure. Because we have like a secret language, like almost like a code. We almost, Catholics in particular are bad for speaking in code. Right. We, we have like a code that we use. Mm-hmm. And we don't even realize uh, that other people don't know the code. We just talk. You know what occurs to me? Is, like as if everybody knows it and they don't. It's not specific to Catholics, but it includes us is when we say going to church and often Catholics like me, including me, will talk about, oh, wouldn't it be great if that person was going to church, which they're not. I, I've had the, many conversations where I've said that with people I know. But, but that phrase just sounds like to people who are not Catholic or not Christian could just sound like, you mean you want me to go to a building to some boring thing where I sit down for an hour? It could sound like that. It isn't that. That's what it sounds like to me. Should I hit you on the head with the Bible again? <laughs> I didn't actually do that the last time. No, I know what you mean. It's boring. It's an hour long. And it's... Uh, Especially if I'm talking, it's going to be more than an hour. More than an hour. Um, well, actually, that, that comes back to the subjective point, actually. The, the thing is, there's a difference between real transformation, which is enduring, and a very heightened emotional experience, which is entertaining. And that difference, I think, probably is really, really, like, it's the difference between what these people were doing, the first Christians on the day of Pentecost, and, like, an attempt to kind of manufacture it, which is one of the concerns that we should have when we're, like, doing things to get people's attention and engage them. It can be, I I speak for myself, like, am I just telling people things that I think are funny because then they like me? Mm. You know what I mean? Or, like, being vulnerable in a way that they feel sorry for me? I'm just, like, trying to manipulate not I do not try to manipulate people, but I'm aware that there's a different there's a line between being aware of the emotional impact of our words on other people and our actions and using that to try to anyway. I think sure, it just takes time. Or... Yeah, yeah. I think it takes time. It's a mutual thing. It's like, are you the real are you are, is this for real or is just something you're doing to try to quote unquote get me or vice versa? Like Well, it's something you said a lot a lot over the years, which I appreciate. Okay. Kudos to you. Is um it has to be it, it has to, the message has to be given on behalf of a community. Right. That, so then the message is given and then says, you also belong to, like, you can come and belong to us. Mm-hmm. And we will grow and share together. Yeah. You're not going to be just isolated. Like, I think if, I think that's one of the big criticisms I have toward the, um, sort of the early 2000s, some of those conference movements that would get a bunch of youth together and they'd have this, wild weekend experience and everybody be crying. And the problem is you go home mm-hmm. and there's not always discipleship. There's not always a church there yeah. uh, to go home to. Yep. I know that was particularly true at World Youth Day, um, which is a Catholic event, large Catholic event once a year, once every two years. Something like once that. Once every two years. Yeah. Uh, which went to in Toronto. A lot of youth, Catholic youth went there and then didn't have any anything sort of supporting them when they went home. They had a parish, but parishes aren't equipped to uh, a lot of parishes. Well, that actually is like a conversation I had after Mass here on Sunday. A friend of ours uh, had gone out to a conference for women's healing in British Columbia, and she said it was fantastic. It was only maybe two weeks ago last Sunday. But she was talking about how hard it's to come back. 
And um, our friend Nikki and I were talking with her, and I think she really appreciated just being able to talk about what she'd experienced and also to kind of land in a way, uh, in a place with people, a few of us, maybe many of us, who can help her live out what she's learned and experienced at that cat was a Catholic healing retreat for women in British Columbia that she went to. It's like, this is quite, quite important to say because everything we receive, especially a dramatic, like that's a, a retreat is a dramatic event, like a World Youth Day or even uh, Acquire the Fire, but you need time to let that sink in and, and actually receive it so that it's not just like a flash in the pan kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, just share something a little bit um, on a slightly different note is that I wanna focus on the people speaking and what it's like to speak in someone else's language. And I, I, what, what really gets me, I, was, I, was, I kind of mentioned this before, is I think the Holy Spirit, when we're really paying attention and receiving the Holy Spirit, draws us to other people. Like we get excited about like wanting to reach other people because we know that that's what we are, that's why we receive the Holy Spirit, to, to reach out to other people. So we have this, anyway, I'm doing this little Bible study on this one chapter of the Bible, Acts chapter 2. Um, we just finished week four of six. We might do seven. I'm, I, I see if I want to do one more. But what's exciting for me is that after last night, two people said, "So what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do next?" Which I was, I told them, I, "This I'm. I, I love Bible studies. I love leading Bible studies or being part of them." But I said, "I hope this is not just for learning, because I believe we're in the situation that's being described here in Acts chapter two, in in our society and our right. communities right now. It's like so. I'm hoping that as we're learning about this and receiving what this these." these words, inspired words, say to us that we will respond. And I was, anyway, just amazing. You, you, can't, you can't make people feel that way. It's like after the meeting, after a little study, two people said, so what do we do next? And I said, maybe Alpha, which is one way that we can respond to, like, how do we actually do outreach is a, is a practical question. Yeah, I mean, Alpha can be, can fall victim to the same problems that right. conference culture does. Sure. Um, unless there's a community, which is one of the reasons I love that Unify is coming up. Yes. We just ended Alpha. By the way, there's a good article on the website. I think it's good anyway. Um, mm. I wrote a little report. Great. Um, of the past Alpha, just highlighting some of the th things that made it different, things that made it great. Yeah. Uh, thanking everyone that was part of it. Um, anyway, um, Alpha just ended, and now we hit, we've been able to invite people to Unify, which is similar, but uh, focused more on preaching, worship, things mm -hmm. like that. It's like almost like a church within the church. Mm -hmm. It's like a church community within the church community. Yeah. Um, like I think, I think that's ideal to have something like that, so that Alpha just doesn't become a like a once a year program. I do this once a year, and that's my my thing for the year. You know, it's like no, this is ongoing. We're all walking together on an ongoing basis, constantly. I, right? I think it's the idea. The hope is to see the building of a community. Right. And I, what I actually mentioned to the, the people after after our study is, why don't we go to one of the Unifies together just to experience it? Yeah. And they were actually quite excited about that thought. And that's where your name came up because um, the one person was saying, you know, they were going to invite some of the young family members because Sam speaks the language of the youth, which you kind of do, actually. I was joking about how you're getting older, though you are getting older. Uh, but 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 it's not just about age or what have you. It's age comes into it, but it's more like I, I actually think you speak. It's it's the Holy Spirit. I believe does this for us. Is like the better you are as a listener, the better you will be able to speak the language of the people you're speaking to, because you you learned it from them. Like what what do they care about? And I I, I know I because I did youth retreat ministry for years, and I still hang around with youth occasionally. It's like 
certainly at this point in my life, and even when I was in my 30s, I, I never pretended to be a cool teenager because I'd have been dumb. Because um, I never was a cool teenager. Yeah. But if you spend enough time with people, you get to know them. You can learn to speak some of their language. Like you, you get to know what they care about or what bothers them or what they're excited about, um, what they're looking forward to. I don't know. It's those pretty common sense stuff. Like, you know, talking with uh, this person and uh, talking to our, our friends Josh and Lindsay as well after church on Sunday, relatively new, newly attached to our community and their kids were baptized and received. We were talking about that. Um, you know, Lindsay's just going to start coaching soccer for their son, Bennett, who's four. That's interesting because we have some soccer coaches in our community, like Jordan and uh, Kate. Kate played soccer at a high level. Anyway, the point is, the things that people care about can become the things we care about. And I believe that that's how the Holy Spirit connects us with each other. Um, it, it, but it takes effort. I would say it takes effort. And one thing I would encourage you if you're listening and watching and you're a lifelong Catholic like Sam and me is try not to speak that Catholic code to people who don't know it because you do it without thinking about it. Do not send, do not speak to seekers or send them videos or articles that are like really for fellow Catholics and otherwise like really mystifying or even annoying. Just assume that nobody knows the code. Right. Everybody you talk to, even Catholics. Sure. Get used to speaking more like, well, translating. Yeah, you translate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's great because people, people ask questions and then you can like tell them what the code means. Mm -hmm. This word means what that word means. But you're not leaving them in the dust either. Yeah. Um, not knowing what the heck you're talking about. I, I come back to like why they're speaking this way as well as I, the image that came to me is like, it's like the church is on fire. These people are on fire with the Holy Spirit looking like birthday candles, like all of them with their little. Flames above glow. Yeah. For saintly glow. Yeah. But uh, that's something you can't, none of us can make up. It's it's the, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Why are you leaning over like that? Look oh, it up. Saintly glow. This. Oh, right. There you, yeah. I've got a candle on my head. There it is. It's like you're a saint or a Holy Spirit person. Um, anything else, Sam? I think we're maybe good for today. I'm hungry. Sam's stomach is speaking to him in his language. It's chilly waiting at home. Thank you for listening to Thursday Night Appetizer this week. We are actually concluding our series, Journey from Jerusalem. I'm not sure what's going to come up Thank God. Next. It's been a long one. That's a long journey. Very long. Um, I'm not sure what we'll do next. We'll talk about it, think about it, and hope to hear from you next week. Or I hope that you will hear from us next week. Oh, wait. We have to sing the sequence. Oh, do you know the sequence? Pentecost. Do you know it? No. Oh. I was kidding. Are you going to sing it at That's Mass code. on Sunday? Sequence is code. Are you going to sing it at Mass on Sunday? No. No, no priest I've met ever leaves me room. I'll do that because I'm preaching. I actually wrote I actually wrote my own music to the sequence. The sequence is yeah. a hymn to the Holy Spirit okay. that is sung before the gospel. Um, did you hear that? Of Pentecost. I did hear that. I want you to do it. I this. wrote an original score yes. to the sequence. I think you should sing it this Sunday. I'm preaching. I will pause at the appropriate moment because the Holy deacon Spirit, Lord divine. Okay. Come to us from heaven and shine. Something like that. You can watch this if you want to. You might. It might. You might end up watching this on Sunday. It might. You might end up seeing this on uh, Saturday, Saturday. Not Sunday though. It would be weird. Wouldn't everybody just be looking at me like, "What's he doing?" We can explain before they. Uh, that could be in the announcements. I think it's beautiful. Him to the Holy Spirit. It's like nineteen verses though. Not. No. Not quite. Eleven. I think eleven or twelve. That's probably take three minutes. Yeah.
If people know what it's for, okay, it is the birthday of the church. We could get Father's, Father Romilito's permission. Sure. Let's try it. He won't care. All right. Thank you Sequence. for uh, listening to Thursday Night Archives. Let the Holy Spirit set your heart on fire for people who do not yet know Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Listen to them and learn to speak their language as the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do. Shall we pray? Yes. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. As we remember that 2,000 years ago, you sent your Holy Spirit upon the disciples. We ask you once again to send us your Holy Spirit, especially on the upcoming Feast of Pentecost, so that we'll be set on fire, we'll become people who uh, speak about Jesus, death and resurrection, the gospel. We will become people who listen and learn from those around us so that we can, we can speak to their hearts as you inspire us to. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy birthday, church. Happy church day, birth. Happy birthday, all you Christians out there. See ya. See ya.